Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. I was off on a little trip to Bahamas in my mind. I'm back. Uh, If I haven't met you, I'm Chip Freed, the lead teaching pastor here. Uh, We're so glad for all of you worshiping online, those of you worshiping with us in person. Um, Last week, if you were here, we had grids up and grandly were singing in tracks and I had about 12 inches to preach from. And that afternoon, man, it was just so good to see our worship center filled with children and, and families and screaming out at the top of their lungs about the goodness of God at our fan blitz. And um, we, we also, I, I, I come out of a weird tradition. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mic-mash of a lot of different things. I grew up in a homogeneous church, an all-white church. We called us the frozen chosen. Um, you know, if I talked in church, I got hit with a hymnal in the back of my head. Um, but I kind of, my ministry after I left church and left God and came back in, um, my ministry was nurtured by um, uh, African-American preachers in the historical black church. So altar calls became part of my life. I always thought people that came to an altar call were like mentally challenged or emotionally unstable. Um, and I was thinking that when I was halfway down to my first one uh, at a revival service, which probably is the main reason I'm your pastor today, where I surrendered to ministry. And at Famblitz, on the tradition these folks come from, they after that amazing energy and that, um, they gave kind of an altar call. They just had one of those you know, put your, close your eyes, bow your heads, you know. I never do that. I feel like preachers get the license to look around, you know. But I want to know what's happening in the room. And there were about uh, 35, 40 children and parents and that. Some stood, some put their hands up. And I just thought that was really amazing. You know, you never know what God's going to do with that seed, man. And that's why I'm in ministry. Um, I, I, my wife and I, we started in urban ministry, and we were in a ministry with very, very historically underserved uh, children and youth. And we had kids that were coming out of gangs. We had folks coming to altar calls. And I had all these preachers in town just just dogging me out and giving me hell. That's theologically correct. Um, Because the kids didn't come off the altar and turn into Mother Teresa overnight. And if you hear what I preach on today, I feel like there's something lacking in people's understanding if they think that's how change happens. I've always said you can be saved all at once, but change can take a little while. How many of you are still changing, still growing with God? If you're not, you're not going to like this message, okay? Um, but I love, my, my spiritual mentor said to me, don't listen to them when they give you that gruff, because what you're giving is spiritual memory. That's why Israel built altars. That's why they put rocks up. You want to remember what God did. And, and I'm just so grateful for you with what you give and how you serve that we widen the circle and there were children and parents and we don't know what they're going through in their lives who felt safe. That's our number one core value, safety. This needs to be a safe place to search. I can get my feelings hurt at Walmart. I don't need to get them hurt in the church and that they had safe place to do that. So so I just wanted to give you that praise report. We're in the middle of this teaching series um, entitled The Power to Change, okay? 
um, the power to change. Pastor Steve kicked this off when he talked to us about that, that spiritual change, it's what we're looking for, spiritual change is not simply behavior modification. Now, that's all fine and good. Um, you know, that's what the Pharisees were concerned with. That's what high moralists are concerned with. But that's not ultimately the root of change. It's not behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. It's changing from the inside out. And Pastor Caleb and I then took it a couple of weeks and we talked about holy habits. What's one habit that we may need to start or one habit we may need to stop so that we can experience more spiritual change and growth in our lives. And last week, I, I gave you the simple prescription. It was a great Halloween sermon. I was a week early when I said, the only thing you need to grow spiritually, it can't just be changing what you do, but who you are. And for that, you need an exorcism. Okay? That's what I shared last week. You need an exorcism. Jesus needs to cast out whatever it is that's in our center that's keeping us far from God. Today, I want to talk about that dynamics of change. How do I know if I am changing, if I am growing? What are some of the benchmarks? And Paul gives us this list, the Apostle Paul called the fruits of the Spirit. Years ago, myself and Pastor Terry, uh, I don't know how long it was ago. It was before COVID, so I guess like 50 years ago. Um, Pastor Terry and Pastor Scott and Steve and I, we did a series on the fruits of the Spirit called Stained. These are the things that ought to stain my life. I had to carry with me, you know, peace and kindness and love and generosity and self-control and kind, all these things. We looked at them individually. Today, I want to look at them collectively because Paul gives us this kind of um, catalog, if you will, of what change ought to look like in our life. And I'm going to tell you four things, that, four things, don't worry, the Browns don't play till four. And I don't have a third service again yet, so I got you till then. Um, no, I'm kidding. Four points, but chain, spirit, Christ-centered is what I'm talking. This is a Christian message. This is proclamation of gospel, not talking about other religions or other pop psychology. Those things can be helpful in their own right. As a preacher of the gospel, what does Christ-centered spiritual change look like? I'm going to tell you four things. It's gradual. It's inevitable, it's internal, and it's symmetrical. Three of those things you've probably heard me preach before. The last one you may not because I am changing and growing. And the Holy Spirit showed me something new, even preaching on this again. So first off, Christ-centered spiritual growth is gradual. Somebody breathe. I know you've been preached. It should happen like on the highway between exit four and five, you know, say certain prayer and then, oh, you know, pop off an altar, what have you. Spirit, real Christ-centered spiritual growth and change is gradual. That's why Paul uses the word fruit. See, he could have said, well, here are the Christian traits. He could have chosen that word. He could have said, these are the disciplines. He could have even said in response to what Caleb and I preach about, these are the habits you need to develop. But Paul uses the word fruit. It's a very, very important metaphor, a botanical metaphor, if you will, that runs through scripture. Jesus used it too. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Every branch that bears no fruit, I'm going to remove it like a, like a good uh, vineyard keeper. Every branch that bears fruit, I'm going to prune it so it bears more fruit. How many wish he didn't say that? Right? I want to arrive. Right? In other places, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a sower who went out and sowed seed. 
The apostles picked up on these metaphors. First Peter said, you are born again. You are born anew. You are born from above with an imperishable seed. And Psalm 1 said that the righteous, those who are trying to live by faith, they're like trees planted by the water. And they'll be nourished, right? These are the images. Um, Any of you know what a vintner is? A vintner? Just shout out if you do. Of course, wine. Yeah, they're wine growers, okay? Um, All of you who knew that, I want you to go to the prayer room after service. (laughs) I'll meet you there. No, I'm kidding. It was so funny at the nine o'clock service. I said, you know what the vintner is? And the whole choir behind me said, they make wine. And nobody in front of me said anything. I said, would you all switch places? Uh, I need to preach these. So, no, I'm kidding. But vintners make wine. Um, if you ever had an idea, you know, I'd like to retire and go to Napa Valley or go over to France. And I'd like to be a vintner and build a, a vineyard. Be careful. I read up on these guys in preparation for the sermon, what they do, um, these men and women. And when they do, they go to a place where they're going to build a vineyard. And the first year, they don't plant any seed. They plant shoots of vines because the vines need to begin to grow up so that they're real strong. And you know what they do in year one? They simply cut back those vines that are growing. In year two, they plant seed. Nope. They nurture those vines and they come up and they cut them back again. It isn't until year three that they see their first cluster of grapes. And good vintners. I like to say that word. I've learned some new words for this sermon. Y'all be proud. Um, they didn't, I didn't just get the doctor in a Cracker Jack box. Anyhow, um, Vintner, the, the thing of the Vintner, oh my gosh, where is the fruit of humility? Lord, bring it quickly. Okay, the, the Vintner, what they do year three, they see the grapes, but a good Vintner does not harvest that. They wait again. In fact, they don't harvest their fruit until year seven or, well, no, no, year five, four or five, they, they harvest their grape, but they put it away uh, and they grow it for winemaking and they don't taste the fruit of their labor until year seven or eight. And economists say that vintners in the Napa Valley don't even break even financially until year 15 to 18 or after. Who wants to be a vintner in retirement? Yeah, I hope you got a big savings plan, right? But you know, it's very interesting. I got to thinking about that as I was reading it. And I thought, this is how God works in my life. You know, we say the Lord is my shepherd. When I studied that, I started saying the Lord is my vintner. He knows how to bring fruitfulness out of my life. He, he knows how to be patient with me more than I am with myself. He knows how to cut back the wild things in me. He knows how to prune certain things that I need pruned. He knows when to let it say value or where to pull it in. He knows when he said, that chip's not ready for this. I'll give it to him in year eight. The Lord is my vintner I shall not want. <laughs> Whew, I hope that'll help you as it helped me. See, and the reason to change is gradual, change is complex. This is like the growing of a baby. It's a, it's a growing of a turnip. It's a growing of a flower or a bulb or a potato, you know. Uh, the joy in my life right now is my granddaughter. Some of you know my granddaughter, Corinne. I've started to discipline myself on social media because my daughter-in-law was going to send me to Facebook jail. Um, if I kept posting her every single day and every single picture. But what I love with my granddaughter, she's my happy place. She's my go-to place. And Terry and I had her uh, for 
for a, uh, a Friday. We took Friday off and we had her all day and took her to the zoo. And, and then it just so happened we forgot to pack some of her clothes to send her back to mom and dad. So Saturday we had to take her clothes back. I <laughs> no idea how they stayed in my car. Right, um, you know, but but she's the joy of my life. She's my little spark. I'm her papa, and she. But every time we get her, if we had her the day before, she's changing. She's there's different things. She's saying bye bye. She's waving. She's pointing. She's she's doing different things. But guess what? It's invisible. I don't see it. You never see somebody growing. Because it's complex, it's mysterious, it's gradual, it's a stretching. Look at nature is telling the glory of God. You know, nature, we're, we're getting ready to, okay, don't throw anything at the stage right now. Uh, well, no. Um, you know, nature, winter's coming in Cleveland. I hate to tell you that. Sorry. Sorry, I know. I know. I can't stop it. I, I didn't pass my miracle class in seminary. But here, winter is coming. But you know what I've learned when I was up in the Rocky Mountains and I met some people? And I, they said, you know, we don't appreciate winter. We think winter is deadness. Winter's a lack of color. But do you know everything is growing in nature in winter? It's just gradual. It's rest. And that's why I had one Amish bishop warn me one time. I, was, I had an opportunity to talk, and there were some students, and they said, uh, hey, you know, we want, want to learn from the Amish bishop. They said, well, you guys don't believe in electricity. He said, what do you mean we don't believe in electricity? We use electricity in our barns. We use it to power all of our equipment. We just don't put it in our houses. Because if you, if you have electricity in your house, you don't have the natural element of the sun and of the setting of the sun. You don't know when to go to bed and when to get up. Of course we use electricity. He went on and on. And, and, and this person, this naturalist in the Rocky Mountains told me, we've forgotten how to winter as people. We've forgotten how to sit back and, and reflect and, and rest. When we look at the Apostle Paul, and we think, oh, there's a guy that was changed overnight. Really? He went away for 13 years, some scholars say. Before he preaches first sermon, change with God, it change, it spiritual change is, is gradual and spiritual. It's, it's like Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man sows seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprout and grows, so he does not know how. It's, it, it's, it's invisible, it's mysterious, it's gradual. So cut yourself some slack on that. Here's the good news, that Christ-centered spiritual growth is also inevitable. If the Holy Spirit is at work, the Spirit of God, the creative force of the universe, in the beginning the earth was without form and void, and darkness lay over the Spirit of the land, or the, the land, but the Spirit of God moved, the creative force of the universe. If the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, there will be change. It'll happen. It's not up to us. It's like a gardener. I can't create the fruit, but I can just create the conditions for the fruit to grow. I can open myself up to fruit. And if it's the spirit of God coming to your life, it'll bring change. My favorite picture on this was by D. Campbell Morgan. He was a British preacher. And I heard this way back a long time ago. And it said that he was traveling in Italy. And he went through one of those great cemeteries of Europe. And there was this massive thousands of pound slab over a grave. It was over 600 years old. And an oak tree had grown up in the middle of that slab and shattered it in half. And Campbell decided what must have happened years, hundreds of years ago when that person was buried, an acorn must have fallen into that grave. Now, you look at an acorn versus a thousand pound slab, who's going to win? <laughs> Beat it up again, right? 
but not so with the Spirit of God. There is more organic and life-giving power in that acorn than any thousand-pound slab. There is more at work in each and every one of us. That's why Paul said, may Christ, the God who has begun a good work in you, perform it and grow it up in Jesus Christ. So we don't get those excuses. I, I, I try to get excuses. You know, oh, God, I'm, I'm not patient. He says, so what? The Spirit of God is in you. God, I I don't feel in self-control right now. So what? The same power that raised raised Jesus from the dead is working in you. So don't you dare give yourself an excuse like that. Don't cop out. Don't say you can't change. Don't say, I I have bad habits, but you can't teach an old dog new tricks, and you're 24. (laughs) If the Holy Spirit is at work in you who can be against you. The Holy Spirit is life-changing and change will be inevitable if we can get ourselves out of the way. The next thing is changing, Christ-centered spiritual change is, it's, it's uh, you know, inevitable. It's, it's, what did I say? It's, um, you guys know it, it's gradual. I did that on Sunday. I did that this morning too. I think God's making me forget my points to make sure you're hurting. God, spirit change is gradual and Inevitable. Good job. Um, two people, you get a pass. Internal. It's internal. It's happening within us, right? May God who has begun a good work in you. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Is the fruit of the Spirit intelligence? IQ? Is it uh, accomplishing? Is it leading? Is it managing? Is it counseling? Is it preaching? Is it auditing? Is it administering? Is it having business deals? Is it composing, dancing, getting A's in school charisma? No, those are external. External acts of the fruit of God that's at work within us. We've got to quit confusing spiritual gifts with spiritual fruit. In the church, there's so much focus on spiritual gifts. Rich Viotis, a friend of mine, said this. He said, the gifts of the Spirit are not meant to give us a shortcut to maturity. So you can speak in tongues or you can preach or you've got prophecy or you can interpret. So what? If, it, if there's not long-term, permanent, insig- significant, invisible, mysterious, powerful growth happening into you. Yoda said one of the dangers in the church is we expect the gifts of the Spirit to quickly do what only the fruit of the Spirit is meant to do inside us deeply. It's internal change. I I shared this image a while back, and somebody kind of was confused by it, so I'm going to try to do it again and make it a little more plain, because believe me, I can get going and and be incomprehensible. Nobody ain't saying amen, you'll hurt my feelings. Um, And and Lord, humility, a little, just a little. Okay, fruit. Um, We can grow externally. This is very dangerous for religious people. And what I used was you can grow a pile of bricks, right? I was talking about that. If you have a pile of bricks on a cart, you can grow it by putting more bricks on it, right? It is growing, uh, expanding. It's growing in quantity. It's not growing in quality. It's not growing organically the way my granddaughter is. Invisibly, there's not life in it. If we're not careful, we can fall into that in our religious life. We can be growing externally. Preachers do this really bad. Because preachers, I had a counselor one time who was dealing with me in a very dark time. Uh, somebody told me one time, if you don't know the Holy Spirit in absence, you'll never know him in presence. And I was in one of those absence times. I was in my desert time. And he said, talk to me about what's going on. I said, well, you know, we got all these, we have this 501c3. We got kids coming to Christ. We're, we see him going, God is really using me to bless other people. And he said, okay, but that's not fruit in your life. That's their fruit. 
Don't tell me that you're changing other people's lives. Talk to me about what change is happening in your life. And I realized I was spiritually bankrupt, right? You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot lead where you will not go. And, and, and so it's asking what's happening in you. It reminds me of Martin Luther and John Wesley, two great reformers. John Wesley is in the tradition of which I grew up in. Both of them were amazing, highly effective religious leaders before they were born anew. Read their stories. They were highly religious. They were writing commentaries. They were teaching the scriptures. They were giving alms to the poor. They were feeding the hungry and clothing the naked. They were instructing the wayward. They shared faith. They did all these good things. They were growing their record. They were growing their resume, but they weren't growing themselves. And it wasn't until some camp meeting where Wesley was at where he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. He had been doing all this religious stuff. Well, what, was it, what did it amount to? A pile of bricks. Until the spirit of God came alive in his heart. I mean, I, and this is a warning to all Christians and non everybody. You know, we can think we're getting it all right. Right? Well, I got all the answers. If I have one more person come up to me and tell me, well, I have a biblical worldview, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be gentle. I'm going to be gentle. Gentle and slow. I get so tired of that. People come up to argue with me. Like, I don't make any decision in my life that is not biblically grounded. If, if it is not consistent with the testimony of Scripture, I, I, I have to go examine it. I have to go in a corner. So don't come up to me and say, well, Chip, I know you have a view, but I have a biblical worldview. No, you have a my biblical worldview. You have your interpretation of the Bible's right, and everybody else's is wrong. Just have the courage to say it. Okay, I got that off my chest. We can do all these things and we can see all this. I got it right on this one. I got it right on this hot topic. I did all these. I did this. And Jesus may say to us, do you remember the disciples at the end said, he said to people, people are going to come to me at the, on that last day. And they're going to say, Lord, we preached in your name. Lord, we cast out demons in your Lord name. Lord, we did miracles in your name. And Jesus is going to say, yeah, but I never knew you. That's frightening. You know what else is a frightening scripture? I'm just being ornery today. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind. You hear it, read at weddings. I think it's great. Read it at weddings. It has nothing to do with Christian marriage, but read it at weddings. If you read the content. That's actually a scary chapter if you read it. You know why? Paul says, look, you may have the gift of, of, to be able to speak in the tongues of men and angels. You may be able to prophesy like Isaiah. You may be able to preach under high heaven like the great preachers of all time. You may give your money away in boatloads to the poor. You may give your body to be burned because you're such a great love, you know, martyr. But if you have not love, if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, that's what he's saying. If you don't have love... If you don't have patience, love is patience. If you don't have kindness, love is kind. If you don't have self-control and gentleness and humility, love does not demand its own way. Do you hear what Paul is saying? He's saying to the Corinthians, you have all this external growth. You are so busy religiously. You are tearing each other's eyes out over which of you are the most holy and you have no fruit. Spirit of God is not bringing change in your life. He doesn't say, oh, I'm not... You know, you're not a Christian. He said, you're not growing. And the only way you can know if you're a Christian is I'm changing, is I'm, I'm being molded and, and brought more into the likeness of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 13, go home and read it. And if you read it from that angle, you say, Lord, I got a lot of work to do. I know I do, amen? We have work to do, right? 
See, if, if people are being changed, I heard a great Christian leader, my friend up here will probably know who it is, and was at Exponential Conference the first year I was asked to preach. I think it was back in 2010. And he was a very, very prominent, very visible church leader. And he confessed in that sermon, I'll never forget. He said, you know, I've been so busy doing God's work that I didn't see the work of God was dying in me. And his ministry didn't end well a few years later. And I know that feeling that's in all of us, okay? So here's my last point. Good, I, I saved six and a half minutes for it because this is, this is the one I hadn't seen before. This is where God was growing me. It's gradual. It's inevitable. It's internal. You can't judge it by external things. Okay, external things ought to grow. The, 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 you know, the grass comes up, the harvest comes up, and a man doesn't even know how. You'll see things emerging from you. Here's one of the great ways to know if the Spirit of God is working with you is when tough things come into your life, right? When difficulty comes into your life, when some suffering comes into your life, and you say like, wow, I, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have handled it that way, Right? I mean, I'm not a patient person. I've been praying it, but I'm going to tell you, I'm way more patient than I was 10 years ago. And 10 years from now, I bet I'll be way more patient. You know, uh, you, you say, gosh, I, I didn't have this. Self. When that happens, you know that that internal work of God is growing in you. Okay, lastly, Christ-centered spiritual change is symmetrical. What do I mean by this? Now, all you English scholars, any out there, English scholars, English teachers, elementary teacher, high school people, nobody wants to admit it. Okay, Pastor Terry is an English major. She is, so I'm going to preach to her right now. No, it, my vocabulary has expanded over 20 years working with her. I got to tell you, we've been in staff meeting for 20 years, and she'll use the word, and I'll go, what, is, what, what does that mean? Like, I don't know where she was when I took the SATs. She could have been so helpful. Um, but what do I mean by that? Paul does something that violates even the Greek language. Literary critics have been dealing with Paul for years on this because Paul says something strange. He said the fruit, karpos is a Greek word, singular. The fruit is, and then he gives a list. Now, if you're an English scholar, you know what happened here. The subject is singular. The predicate is plural. And I still have my sixth grade English teacher, Mrs. Mott, in my ear going, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. Can't do that, right? Paul is intentional. He's doing this on purpose. He's trying to share something. He's basically saying to this that all of these things are one. It's not multiple choice. You can't say, well, I'm doing pretty well in kindness. Uh, Patience, I can't do. You don't get that opportunity. In fact, I'm finally understanding something that happened in seminary back 30 years ago when I was at Princeton. I thought I'd do a PhD in systematics, like, you know, theology, and I was debating all this. But there was a a line from Jonathan Edwards, an early theologian, that I couldn't understand because I didn't even understand the word, and I didn't want to know it because I didn't like him anyways. But he used to talk about the Okay, I can't say this well, right? Concatenation. Anybody know that word? Concatenation. All right? Of the grace of God. Edwards, you're speaking overhead, don't know what you mean. This sermon, I went and remembered that. I went and looked it up. The fruit, and not we want to say fruits because it only makes sense, but if we say it like Paul, fruit of the Spirit are concatenated. You know what that word means? It means linked together in a chain. Do you know your Excel program, all you accountants, has a concatenate function? Do you know whenever you put a file name together, like Chip Freed's sermon, May 1 or whatever, and you don't put any spaces, that's concatenated? Concatenated is linked together by a chain, and that's what 
Edwards was talking about years ago of the concatenation of the graces of God, and he was talking about the fruits of God, that they are linked together as a chain, okay? So you can't say, you know, uh, you, you may be a very, very proud person, but you have peace, absence of anxiety, right? You might have peace just because you don't care, right? You're not kind. You're not gentle, but you have peace. It's a counterfeit peace. It's a counterfeit peace. It's like the woman I read in, in uh, sfc.com. It's the San Francisco Chronicle. Her name is Kaylee Wilkes. And she had went to a store and she bought at a greenery, a succulent plant. And she loved this succulent plant. And she was in the, like the horticulture section of the newspaper. And the guy that was interviewing her, she was talking about this succulent plant. And she had bought it. And she was so careful with it, proud of it. It was beautiful coloring. Uh, she had this, oh, she had, overall I had a beautiful plant. I kept watering plant for it. I didn't let my family water it because I wanted, just wanted to keep it just right and that's why she was shocked when she wanted to put it after a year in another vase type container where it could grow and she said oh my god it's plastic (laughs) true story here's what she said in the article she said I put so much love into this plant I washed its leaves I tried my hardest to keep it looking its best and it's completely plastic how did I not know this I pulled it from the container and it's sitting on styrofoam with sand glued to the top. (laughs) If these fruits are not concatenated in your life, it may be counterfeit peace. It may be counterfeit kindness. Oh, you're a sweetheart. You're so kind to everybody. Yeah, you'd have been a sweetheart if you never knew Jesus. But are you faithful? Faithful means loyalty and high courage. Maybe you're sweet all the time, but you don't have high courage. To speak out against injustice. These have to be concatenated. Okay, here's the image I'm going to give you. A couple and then I'm done. Image was, the first one is of an equalizer. Now, not Denzel Washington. Okay, it's not Denzel Washington. It's like when I used to DJ in college. No, you laughed at that. Did any of you see the movies? Okay, okay. Yeah, I work really hard at these things. Yeah, I do. I thought that was pretty cute. Yeah, look, humility, Lord, just a little. Okay, these are equalizer when I used to DJ. These guys in the back know all about sound tech. You know, when you're creating sound, you got little levels, you know, your bass, your your high trebles, your tenors, your mid-range. And, you know, back when I DJed, you worked the sound. Of course, I had to do all the bass and all these things. I'd tell you my DJ name back in the day when I was DJing. I I would, but my kids will shut off the Internet and my wife will divorce me, so I can't do it. Okay, but I was doing this. You see these kind of charts in this. This is kind of the fruits of the Spirit. They're all concatenated. They're all playing the same music. But guess what? Maybe, maybe your self-control is down a little bit. All you need to do is pay attention and adjust, adjust it a little bit, okay? Your kindness is doing well, so it doesn't need your attention. But don't water a plastic plant. Go in there and moderate what's at work in your life. Where are the places where, God, I know these things have to go together. And I don't have the excuse to say, well, I'll just pick these two and say it, call it a day. No, these are, if a link in the chain is broken, the chain is broken. Paul is saying, if you don't have all, you don't have any. And we got to work on that. So, okay, Chip, patience sometimes can just pay attention to that. And gentleness, when you're cut off on 480, work on that. God, help me with that. Don't just dismiss it. Equalize it. Work on it. Be a DJ. Let the Holy Spirit, let him come in and work on your life. Okay, how do we get there? Last one. 
We get there what Paul set it up. He said, how do we get there? Walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, please don't look at flesh. Oh, this is pornography. It's sexual appetite. It's eating too many hot fudge sundaes. That, that, that trivializes this. The word flesh is the word sarks, which means our sinful nature. It's our sinful nature. And it has desires. For the flesh desires, our sinful nature, it's what's contrary to the spirit. And the spirit desires, see, the spirit is lusting after something too. The Holy Spirit is lusting after Jesus. And it's trying to tell us, look at Jesus. Don't look at these other desires. Look at Jesus. Now, these desires, you're going to say, okay, these are all the negative things. No, they're not. Those aren't the things that derail you. They're the positive things. The word in the Greek is epithemia. It means epi-desires. It's things you're desiring too much. It can be good things usually that we make ultimate things and we put them in the place of God. Like I have a desire as a man to take care of my family. I have a desire as a father to take care of my kids. But if I'm not careful, that becomes an epi-desire and I try to play God. And I had a friend of mine 10 years ago when my kids were in college and I was struggling. It was in 2010 and he's one of my accountabilities here. And we were walking. I said, oh, I should have stayed in the corporate arena. I could have paid for my kids' college. He said, dummy, your kids don't want your money. They want you. Now, if he'd have told me that 10 years before that, I'd have been a puddle on the floor. And now 13 years later, I'm way more at peace with that comment than I was then. Do you see? Because it was, it's not bad desire. It's a good thing, but I made it an epi thing. And we need to let those things go and do the exorcism and let Jesus in the middle of that so that, even though that can be in conflict, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but be led, walk with the Spirit of God. Now, you know who helped me with this this week? Elon Musk. (laughs) I won't tell you where I stand on Elon Musk, but he helped me. Do you know Tesla now? I read an article, uh, has in their full self-driving software, as one Yahoo reporter said, they have software now with their beta that lets you decide how big of a jerk you want to be on the highway. Sure, in their, in their full self-driving software, you can choose one of three modes on how you want to drive. One is called chill, one is called average, and one is called assertive. And if you put that sucker on assertive mode, you will follow people at a shorter distance from them. Don't you love those folks on the highway? Right? You will perform more frequent speed lane changes and pass people by at the speed of light. You will have no, you'll never exit passing lanes and you will perform rolling stops. It's a true story. You know what a rolling stop is? You don't stop at a stop sign. This, this is what the assertive function. And all of a sudden... The light of this scripture went on in my eyes. We are born on assertive function in our inner spirits, in our flesh, in our fallen nature. We have assertive function. That's why I'll be my own Lord and I'll be my own Savior. But the Holy Spirit of God wants to take us out of that mode and he doesn't settle for average. And he wants to bring us down to chill. He wants to bring us something to supernatural. He wants to bring a fruit of spirit in my life. My youngest son has driven me crazy since he was 16 years old. He's now 28. I love him with all my heart. But he had this little thing that irked me through the years. Anytime I started to go in my dad mode and we got to do this and I got a little OCD, you know what he'd say to me? Chill, bro. (laughs) You have not become a father until your youngest son looks you in the eyes and says, chill, bro, and you do not strangle them. And you don't even bring up the Ten Commandments. You shall honor your father. 
I am your father, Matthew. Do not call me children. You know what? As I was praying over this sermon, I said, thank God. I am so stupid that all my son was being was a vessel of the Holy Spirit who was, who was speaking to that inner peace in me that was missing at that moment. And I don't know about you, but we need the Holy Spirit to walk with us and direct us to Jesus. And when we get off on our anxiety and we get off on our high worry and we get off on our pride in ourselves and lose our humility and begin to lose our, our, our gentleness, we just have the Holy Spirit of God say, chill, child of God. You are not created for this. Let that fruit grow within you. Don't hide under the slab too long because there's an acorn at work in you. You have been impregnated like Mary was with the very spirit of God. Let that Holy Spirit overshadow you. Let it begin to perform amazing things in you. And maybe you'll become like Bono of you too. How many preachers, man? How many quote Elon Musk and Bono in the same sermon? Yeah, I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm winning. We didn't prof- oh, yeah, humility again, yeah. Bro, bro, you forgot to say bro. Humility, bro. Thank you. Holy Spirit is in this place. We sang about that. Woo! We, 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 had a, we had a professor, Casey, he may be here, he may be online. I love him. He joined our church. He said, I came to your church and I listened to you. And, and you, you quoted Dostoevsky and you quoted C.S. Lewis and you quoted Beyonce in the same sermon. I said, this is my guy. All right. Last word, I'll let Bono have it. Here's what Bono, you know, his transformed life. You know how he changed, how I need to change, how you do too. Here's what he said in, in an article. I've kept it close to me. He said, your nature is a hard thing to change. It takes time. I've heard of people who have life-changing, miraculous turnarounds. I've heard in my industry people set free from addiction after a single prayer. Relationships saved where both parties said, we're going to let go and let God. But it was not like that for me. For all that, that sing, I was lost and I'm found. My song is a little more accurate to say, I was really lost. I'm a little less so at the moment. I'm a little less so at the next moment. I'm a little less so at the moment after that. He said, that to me is a spiritual life. The slow reworking and rebooting the computer at regular intervals. Reading the small print of the service manual. It has slowly rebuilt me in a better image. It has taken years though. And it's not over yet is it not over for you just reach out with your heart and say lord nurture this fruit nurture this fruit that is in me through the power of your holy spirit that i might grow more and more to be like you amen